Welcome everyone, it's Tony Nash again with Plugged and Unplanned, and I have in, I can't say the studio, um, in our um, in our locations, uh, Shanna Kennedy, who's here, locked down in Melbourne, we're right in the middle of pandemic, if you're listening, and we're out of pandemic, because this is already a couple of years old, but uh, we're right in the thick of it now, so I think everyone that's listening is probably um, aware of globally what's going on. So welcome, Shanna. Thank you, Tony. Thank you for having me today in this very unusual virtual world that we're living in. At least you can be productive. You're doing a record, you know, like a podcast at home lockdown. I mean, that's... I'm so busy. I've just actually been away for five days in an Airbnb, which is one kilometre from my house, because I'm not allowed to leave the suburb, to write my seventh book so um, i've decided to make this lockdown really mean something and and set some incredible goals for myself and just put the you know head down bum up so to speak and and achieve some great things that's interesting that you say that because i reckon that's not uncommon i think a lot of people are recalibrating their lives i think it's been a little bit of a a shake up uh, globally in terms of how, how do we want to kind of show up in the world uh, perhaps some of the assumptions that we made in the past are no, now no longer there. Uh, even the younger generation where they're um, somewhat more entitled, oh my God, thank God I've got a job. Um, thank God I work for a company that's still you know, fully functional. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of assumptions and, and kind of the, the context that we live in has give, been given a real shakeout. Is that the way that you're seeing it now? Yeah, I mean, I I coach a lot of people. I'm an executive coach. Um, and there's all different types of personalities, isn't there? There's the extroverts who are, you know, lockdown is terrible for because they just need to see people. There's the introverts who they're in heaven, you know, like we don't have to go anywhere. And I am a little bit of an introvert and I have chronic fatigue um, and, I, and, I, and I live with depression. So lockdown for me is, um, you know, my husband always says, you're built for this, aren't you? Because I don't have to go anywhere and I can just really get into my projects with no outside influence and I don't feel any outside external pressure. Um, so for some people, it's really fabulous. And for some people, it's really challenging, just depending on your circumstance and your personality. Mm. I'm not going to... Um uh, slide over what you just said before. I'm going to I'm going to get right into that because um, talking about uh, openly about your mental health um, conditions that you deal with. I have ADHD, and I didn't find out about that until a few years ago when my son was diagnosed, and my wife, his stepmother, said, you know, I think there's something going on with with uh, you know our son, and once he was diagnosed, she said, I reckon you've got it as well. And it's interesting when. I do public speaking and I share with people that, that I have ADHD. Um, when people come up to me afterwards and want to talk, it's always about the mental health. Um, you know, like, God, you know, I've got ADHD or relative, my wife, my husband, my kid. Like, and the more open we are about that um, is, is a bridge for everyone else to feel that it's not uh, something shameful. How... How much do you go into that, into your into your coaching or into your public speaking or the books? What What's your position on that? Um, well, I, I got twen- uh, chronic fatigue syndrome 20 years ago when nobody had even heard about it. It was, what what's wrong with you? You look perfectly fine. Um, and I was completely burnt out. I, I worked seven days a week in a corporate job for about seven years and I just had no self-care strategy whatsoever. And I was an A-type overachieving perfectionist. So I just wanted to go and smash goals. I'm really naturally driven and have an incredible work ethic, which to my detriment burns me out all the time. So chronic fatigue was so debilitating that I couldn't get out of bed for about a year. You can't drive your car, you can't shower yourself, you can't turn the lights on because they burn your eyes. It's, it's, it's a really debilitating disease and I do coach a few people with it and you have to learn to dance with it. You know, you have to embrace it rather than be ashamed of it and it's, had, it's completely changed my life and I, I call it the gift because instead of being an achievement junkie now, I've got a lot of fulfilment in my life because 
I have to be so aware of how I'm feeling and what I take on and and also make sure I've got enough restorative time so that I don't get burnt out again. And with that comes quite a depression because your body won't do what your brain wants it to. And so you're constantly leaving the party first or, um, you know, you can only go out for dinner at 6 o'clock. You can't go out for dinner at 8.30 because, you know, if you get home at midnight, that's three days that you've ruined things, you know. So I, I don't talk about it a lot, but I'm very open if people do want to discuss it because I think it makes people feel not alone. And I really had nobody to talk to for the first 10 years at least because nobody knew what I was talking about. But it's quite open now and I think it's wonderful that we can share and we can talk about bouts of depression for me that make me go into the corner in a rocking chair and how we get out of that again and move forward and and what are the coping strategies. And, and that's really why I write. I write about life and wellness skills that, you know, we were never taught at school. We weren't taught about self-care at school. It was considered selfish. Um, and I think that when we can reconnect with ourselves and build a really great strategy, like the life plan, it was built because people had these great careers and athletes had these incredible careers, but they forgot about their life plan. And, and I was one of those. I had this great career mind, but I forgot about my life and my health and, and hobbies and friendships and all of those other things that make us really a whole person. So I think it's fantastic that we can talk about it so people don't feel alone. Mm -hmm. I definitely felt very, very alone for a long time. That's interesting because when I looked at your um, books on our website, and I, as I mentioned before we started recording, and I don't like to go too much into the books, I, I, I need no, I want people to buy your books um, and that they're inspired by this conversation to do that and that they, um, they're, um, that from this, from this conversation, we can perhaps get a little bit more uh, insight into you and to, you know, where you come from. The thing that I, I want to share with you is that when I look at the book and uh, the life plan, I mean, it sounds like you're like, you're one of those smashing it out of the park. She's a public speaker. She's got it all together. You know, the, all the kids are doing all their activities. Oh, look, there's a meal on the table. Like, oh, the, the finances are all like, but, but from what you've just said, it's, it's like, no, no, you, you're going into battle and you've got to, you've got to have a plan. You've got to have, um, you've got to be honest and you've got to, you've got to, um, take it take stock and uh, the, the the few pages that I was looking at it's you, you invite your reader to to be honest with themselves and write down you know what are their attributes what are their weaknesses and what can they work on to share something about that or is, is that yeah how do you I mean you've obviously had to do it for yourself so you've found these uh, insights for you so yes. then um, is that how you've kind of formulated your own coaching and, and writing and teaching style? Yeah, well, the, the reason I became a life coach in the first place was um, the, the first person I reached out to when I was in the depths of chronic fatigue was not a counsellor, it was a life coach. And someone had put me onto this lady and said, she's going to talk about your future, not your past. And so I was really excited about that. So I had this incredible experience of working with somebody who made me stop and develop a plan and build a recipe and a roadmap that would really suit me and not anybody else but me, which means I had to go and do that reflective work to say, well, if I want to be married and have children and have a career and be healthy and travel and have it all, I need to build a really solid foundation for myself first and then I need to build a really great map that will help me get there. But I need to know where the roots are. I need to know what's in the soil. I need to really know what my values are and, and to treat myself like I was the asset. And with all of my clients in this book, honestly invites you to treat yourself like a business, that you work for the business of you so that you can go out and show up at your job and in your marriage and with your friendships being the best version of yourself. It's a little bit like the the aeroplane oxygen mask analogy where 
I want your tank to be full and I want you to put your mask on and then I want you to share that with the world. Share your amazing self with the world. But if you haven't taken the time to fill up your tank and you don't want to put your mask on first, you can't be the best version of yourself. You can't get that fulfilment back and, and enjoy the days. So, yeah, the reason that I wrote that is because that's actually the journey that I went on myself personally to rebuild my life and to to take ownership and responsibility to make my life great and not blame my job or blame the weather or blame the pandemic. It was really about taking responsibility of what can I do, um, what are the skills that I need that I haven't, weren't taught growing up or at school, and how can I share that with the world? And the only reason I wrote the life plan was to share it with the world and mainly elite athletes because I was working in sports sponsorship and I I did see what happens to athletes when they've had their great career and then they get injured or they, they get dropped from the team or they face early retirement. Nobody had a plan. Nobody had a plan. Nobody had, because nobody had actually done the work. So I think we're all athletes, you know, we're business athletes or we're athletes of life and we need some plans. And up until 20, it's pretty easy. You know, you're a teenager and these are your expectations and then you'll go to uni and then you'll get a job and then you'll get married and then you'll have kids and pay your house off. And there's sort of this social um, map to follow if you choose to, but it's about creating your own. And a lot of people that I coach say, and then what? What about the second half of my life? Well, there's no map. There's no rules. You've sort of ticked everything off and then what? There's no fulfillment. So I wrote the life plan to bring people back home to self, to say, I'm going to create a journey that's really exciting and motivating that without my job, I know who I am. I'm a whole person. So I like to ask people, who are you without your job? And it's a really confronting question and if you really know your values which the book invites you to go and learn and it shows you how to if you if you really can come home to your values that's who you work for every day for the rest of your life so it does simplify life and it helps you formulate your plan and it gives you confidence it gives you great confidence because you you you've touched the soil you know what's happening in there it's so so then the books have been out. You've been writing now for some time. Your first book, I think, was it The Life Plan? Was that the first one? That was the second. The first one, um, it was called Simplify, Structure, Succeed, and I self-published that because I wanted to something for my clients. And and my brief to myself was I, I really love Donna Hay cookbooks. <laughs> so I was like, how do we make a Donna Hay cookbook full of life lessons and life skills and wellness skills? So it had to look beautiful. And um, I'd gone to the shelf and I saw all these self-help books and I was like, I can't read them. They're too heavy. They're too, they're not beautiful enough. So we spent a lot of time on photography so that I didn't want people to put the life plan on the shelf. I wanted it on the coffee table. I wanted it to be like the Donna Hay cookbook where you, you, you open it and you, it invites you to cook because it looks so simple and it looks so nice. So that's why the life plan is probably one of the most unusual self-help books because it started the trend of putting photography in with with learnings. There was nothing on the shelf like it. There's, there's a few now that have um, gone along that suit, but it really was the first one of its kind where um, I went to the cookbook section of Penguin and said, can you help me? <laughs> Is that right? Wow, that's amazing. So they took a risk. They said, we've never done anything like that before. And and so do you do you find and I'm just um, cheating here. I'm looking up how sales have gone for the life plan. Mm -hmm. uh, six and a half thousand have been sold around Australia since you published it. That's through the bookstores. I'm sure there's tons more through when you do conferences and all these other things. I think it's about eighty thousand bookstores. Yeah, the life plan. Yeah, it's up to 80,000 and it um, it was really big in Kiki K stores because um, I really wanted to get it into that younger generation that have, you know, we, we, we need to learn these skills. They are the fundamentals of life and we're just not taught at school. I look at my 
two teenagers. They've never learnt this stuff at school. And unfortunately, we learn it a little bit too late. So in Kiki K, it, they they sold, I think, 20,000 in the store. It was the best-selling book for a couple of years. And Suzanne Stores took it. And um, it was enormous in there too because people just looked at it and said, I love the look of it. Now I'm going to go in and read what it's all about. So the look probably captured them first. And, and probably most people don't have a life plan. They haven't thought of that. They have a career plan or a savings plan. But what about the whole plan? Where is it going? Where, where are you driving the car? So what's interesting for me then, being a book retailer, is that through the bookshops and, and Nielsen Bookscan that record all the bestsellers have said that you've sold 6,500 copies. What's stunning is that you've actually sold 80,000. <laughs> and that, and that's, a, that's a good metaphor for in terms of, like, it's not about a book that then gets sold in a bookshop. People go, it's like you you created an artifact that actually was accessible beyond book, the book channels. Um, it's re it really is quite, I mean, I'm going to share that, those volumes with a lot of people because I don't think people realize how, um, how you can, you can make sales and access the market without necessarily just relying on, on the, booksellers. Uh, no, I, I worked really hard and also you know whenever I speak at conferences you know I I really do put it as part of the package that every person that is a participant of a workshop actually receives a copy of the life plan because it's really great listening to a speaker and you might write some notes I get people to write but I want them to walk away thinking, I'm so inspired now to take control of my life and to work out what my values are and what my vision is and what my goals are and how to care for myself along that process without burning out and finding exhaustion or getting an autoimmune disease because I just keep pushing so hard that I it's a care factor for me. So there's lots of different avenues that we, we can do this. I donate a lot of books to charity. Um, I want them out. In the, I want them in people's homes. That's all I care about. Is that if it helps somebody find a little bit of clarity or inspires them to really know what their values are. Most people know what the values are of the company they work for, but they don't know their own. And when they find them, their whole life simplifies instantly. I'm going to ask um, a question here that um, is a bit leading in terms of your the the work that you do as a life coach. Um, but I'm sure that you get feedback uh, from that you've spoken in audiences or uh, maybe you've given away through charity. The difference between getting a copy of The Life Plan or any one of your other books that you've written um, and, and getting outcomes versus actually using you as a life coach because uh, for someone that um, has got um, health management as a priority, um, there's only you know, how many hours a day can you really be doing life coaching, um, four or five before, you know, you need to really take care of yourself because it's, it's quite draining. So, so do you, are you like completely booked out for the next 18 years because you just simply do not have enough time to, and, and therefore can people who buy your books still get amazing outcomes? Have you seen that or, or is it the one-on-ones where, where people get true cut through and, and therefore, you need to have how, how do you how do you even address that well the book should hopefully and and i have so many people email me and i love that people write to the um to the author i love that that people take the time to say thank you for writing the book it's helped me it's changed my life i have people that say i've read it five times i bring it out once a year it's got sticky notes all over it. It's got scribble all in it. That just makes my heart, oh, just beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. So I don't want that book to, the reason I wrote the book is here is your life coach. This is the journey I would take you on because it's one of me. And if you want a little bit further cut through, go and employ a coach or ring me and work with me. But I want the book to be their friend. I want I wanted the book to be their teacher um, so that there is only one of me. I can't coach all day, every day. It's exhausting. Um, but what I've done is built a life that is really quite balanced where I love the books. 
I love the writing, I like the creativity, but more so I write books to teach so that people can be upskilled and motivated. The coaching for me is unbelievable. It is actually working with people, building their plans, um, empowering them. I don't, I don't want them to be with me for a long time. I want to empower them to have the plan to move forward and, and keep in touch. Um, and then the speaking is how do we get the message to large audiences where there's 500, 1,000 people on the stage? Um, and that's really exciting too, but that's really different. And my energy can't do that all the time. It's 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 so much energy that goes out. It, it's too debilitating for chronic fatigue. So I can't be speaking, you know, seven days a week, five days a week. It's too much. But I speak once or twice a week. That's that's fine, but I can't do any more. So I just am very good at saying no and protecting the asset myself because my values are health, family and achievement. So every day my job is to work for my health and that's mental health, physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. That's my job. And family is my job, which is am I coming into the family being the best version of myself and if I'm too exhausted I can't be that so I have to have some boundaries for my work and that means losing money sometimes that means saying no to a really great job but that job will tip me over um, and then achievement is my third value which you know I'm an achievement junkie I love 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 lists and ticking them off and setting goals and going and get them and I make anything happen but the hardest achievement for me is to look after myself, to allow myself to go and sit in the garden for half an hour in the middle of the day and eat lunch. It's so difficult or it's so difficult to me to promise myself at 3.30 to go and listen to a meditation for 15 minutes. I mean, we have 72 blocks of 20 minutes every day to play with. It's a lot of blocks of 20 minutes. How many blocks of 20 minutes do we take to care for the asset? So if I promise myself one or two where I go and sit still or I write in my journal or I go and eat in the garden rather than at the desk, um, that's actually a bigger achievement than um, selling books. You know, I, I just sold 7,000 life plans into Kmart and um, I'm so excited for that because it's a whole new audience and a whole new readership and hopefully younger people really learning this. I'm really, really hoping and praying for that. But that's an achievement. But actually the bigger achievement was that I allow myself to have half an hour off in the afternoon so that I can come into the nighttime and cook for the family and help the kids with their homework and, and actually be fun instead of exhausted. So achievement doesn't necessarily mean do more get more more sales, more speaking gigs. It actually, for me, means what is the healthiest achievement of my day? Because I want longevity. I want, I want to be doing this for a very long time. I've been coaching for 20 years and I'm not tired. And the achievement list is because every day on the list has to be a couple of things that refuel, that care, that put in, that... I don't keep pushing through so hard. So you and mentioned kids before. What what age? It's kind of made. I mean, sounds like that your book is from seven to one hundred and seven kind of uh, age range. But is there, uh, you know, is that male, female, uh, um, kids, yeah. adults? If uh, anyone, really, it's any. Yes. But what's your sweet, is there a sweet spot there or is it, is there anything that you've kind of, you know, that your audience has, has kind of, you skew to? There's a couple of sweet spots. It's those in their early 20s who, you know, really are really interested in learning and really want to have a, a want to learn from other people's mistakes and want to really set up their pathway. And the other sweet spots to me is probably people in their mid-40s who are thinking, okay, I've been on the treadmill of life for quite a bit of time. I feel like I'm on the treadmill and I need to gain control. And one of the chapters in the life plan is about taking a sabbatical. And that's one of my favourite chapters. I don't know if you've had a look at that one. And there's some pictures of the family in there and 
and some and some journal entries from my husband as well and from myself just to make the book quite real about how scary it was to take our children out of school. They're now 14 and 16, but it was five years ago. So I think they were grade one and grade three and take six months off because my husband had his 10 years up as a CEO and he said, I'm burnt out. I, I need, if I'm going to do more here, I need to have a, a break. And for me, I was like, oh, but my business is booming and my books are selling. What, you know, I'd sold all these Simplify Structure Succeeds and my coaching business was full and I, I'm like, the kids are at school. I'm finally getting my life back and and now we're going away. So it was really frightening and it was quite scary to think about spending 24 hours a day, seven days a week for six months, just the four of us too. I mean, that's it's always a little bit confronting. Um, and it was the most incredible trip because we you can just rent your house out. It, it didn't cost that much money. We, we went and lived in the Rocky Mountains and we hiked and biked and fished and, and then fulfilled my husband's dream of, of an RV and we became an RV family <laughs> and we went through all the big national parks. And the education that my kids got from being in the RV was unbelievable because we met the most unusual people in RV parks, you can imagine, and they got life lessons that I could, I, I just couldn't even buy or get them to have at school. So it was a really incredible life moment about we can do things that we want, we can make things happen, we can take sabbaticals, we can create incredible life experiences if we want them, if we save for them, if they're on the vision, if they're a goal, if they make your heart sing, if they add to your values. What are the life experiences that you want to create for yourself? And we can make them happen. And that's what I've done with people for as a coach all this time is make these life experiences come to life for people. And and I think a lot of people write to me from the life plan and said, because of that chapter, my family and I have had the most incredible experience. You know, we've driven around Australia or we've gone camping for three weeks. We never would have done that. It doesn't have to be six months. It can be three weeks. But we, we chose that we would go and go off the grid for three weeks and, and bond as a family. So those are the things that make my heart sing. And that's what the book's for is it is your life. It's your life experiences. It's it's what is your plan to look after yourself, no, no matter what you're carrying mental health wise. Um, it is what are your coping strategies? What are your what's your go to list when you feel like that or. How are you going to support yourself? Um, for me, supplementation is enormous to give me energy. So every season I have to sit down at the start of every season with the naturopath and we change the supplementation due to the season with my travel, which is not anymore, um, my travel, um, what's on my plate, how I want to feel, what happens with the weather, all changes my body. So it's a it's an intentional um, part of my strategy so that I can really feel as happy as possible most most of the time. And some days you're just not. Some days are just shocking. And some days are just completely flat. But when you've read the life plan, you, you sort of learn that that's okay. That's okay. Can I ask you then, um, as a coach, what the first, in my public speaking, uh, what I what I share with people is is one of the nuggets is that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask. So if you're a coach, if you're a doctor, if you're a nurse, if you're a politician, if you're a journalist, if you're a teacher, um, quality of your questions. And so with Booktopia, it was right from day one, what do our customers want? What do our customers want? What do they want? What are their customers? And by answering that question, it was astonishing to me that uh, very few people in the book industry actually really even ask the question or we've even bothered to, to care about what, what they actually truly wanted. We'll give you what we think you need. And and so we ended up being as big as we are without by, by going down that, that angle. As a, as a life coach and as someone who's listening here today, and who can then perhaps, you know, just take some value out of this podcast. What's one or a couple, what are the key questions that you ask to really ignite that fire or to open up 
and and have a look inside. What, what, have you got some core ones that you 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 want to? Yeah, of course. Just with, of course, and you know the book is full of questions, and that's it's to it's to go in and and find the answers. But the first question I always ask my clients is, what what do you want? Most people know what they don't want, but they're not very good at expressing what they do want. And when we can just sit with a pen and a paper and and just write five things that I really want, what do I want? The second question a coach will ask is, okay, so now what do you really want? So the first layer is, oh, you know, I I want to be happier and I want to save more money and I, I, I want more direction in my life or I want my marriage to be better or whatever it might be. And now I'll say, what do you really want? And that's a whole different kettle of fish. And we open up the door to, actually, I really just want to like who I am. Or I, I want to look in the mirror and like what I see. Or I might want to, I really want to take control of my health. Actually, that's what I really want. So when you work with a coach, you, 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 you can really focus in and you can really find out what, sort of, what it's all about. Because a lot of people will come to coach with, this is what I want. You know, I want a six pack. You go to the, the personal trainer, I want a six pack. But when you find out what they really want, they actually want someone to train with, someone to hold their hand, someone to teach them some skills so that they can train better. Um, so it's like you're the athlete and yet you want to win the Olympics and you get the coach, but actually it's not even about the Olympics. It's about I actually want to train with someone. I want to learn. I want to push myself. I want, I want to go deeper. I want to see how fast I can run if I work with somebody. And that's what working with a coach is like. It's we hold your hand and we ask the questions and we hold your hand while you're answering them. We, it's a safe place to maybe do that exploration, whereas you wouldn't do that with your friends and family. You wouldn't say, now, what do you really want? So the coach will ask the questions that nobody else will ask you. You know, they'll say, what do you really value? And what are you doing today that actually is adding to your values? So do you actually have to say to some of your clients, you're really unwilling to kind of, like you're living in hopes and dreams, but and and but you're not getting down to be honest enough with what you really want or be able to um, know what you really want, but then willing to put in the effort and just, and you have to say to them, look, um, I know you you know what you want, but you're not willing to put in the effort, so therefore this is not going to work. Do you have to do that at all? Oh, all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so so then that what would happen is, is that what you really want? Because your brain's telling you what you, that's what you want, but your heart's not. So it's often a real disconnect. You know, I, I really want to lose five kilos. Um, but they're not willing to do the work or they keep, you know, drinking alcohol and eating lots of chocolate. It's because their heart isn't even there. And when we really go, when I really challenge about why they're not doing what they said they were going to do, it's, it really is about, actually, I think I lose five kilos. I'm really happy the way I am. And so when you work with a coach, you can really unpack a lot of that stuff that we've stories we've told ourselves in the brain to keep up with the Joneses or because you look like someone on Instagram and you can really unpack a lot of that and give people just a much simpler version of their story or recreate or reframe the story that they've told themselves they need or they want or the story about chronic fatigue or depression is reframing the story so that you can with it. Absolutely. That resonates with me a hundred percent. So, if for those of us that um, need to get off the couch, need to kind of um, get moving, I mean, with with your depression, um, which I'm probably you're probably fairly playful with it now in terms of like you you're honest, you know that you're there, and you're not invalidating that. This is where I am right now. Mm. What are some of the the key drivers that get in when you know you're ready to start moving again or do you actually have to kind of you know sit in the mud of it and just go you know this is where I am today um 
it may not even be depression. It just may just simply be, you know, I, I don't want to do a bloody thing. You know, I'm just, this is where I am today. Yeah. So everyone can just piss off and don't, you know, don't come knocking. And is that the first, you know, what are the, what are the steps that help us? Because I think right now, especially with the pandemic, and even though people might be listening to this later, having kind of reflect on, on their their personal journey through that they'll want to know what they can do to to quickly shift out of out of that state what what's it's really important so when you feel a wave of anxiety or a wave of overwhelm or stress or depression comes in you should never run from it you've got to sit in it and when we sit in it and we acknowledge it it felt it feels heard if we keep deflecting and trying to distract yourself, it just stays and it gets bigger. It says, you're not hearing me. So when I get those waves of depression come in or that really flat, horrible day or the day I just don't want to be anyone for anything, I try and really sit still in it and then I write it. So I've been doing these um, Q&As with teams for the last two months where I'm the guest in a in a corporate team at the team meeting because they want strategies and the first strategy is get the yellow sticky note down and write I am depressed I am flat I can't be bothered and put the time next to it and the date so you can see that oh yesterday I was feeling like that and I wrote about it and today I'm not feeling that bad so I am moving so first of all is you have to acknowledge it and the best way to do that is to write and a lot of people go I don't know how to write and I'm like just just get a journal and just write or for me I've got sticky notes all over my computer here that train the brain so once you've written and once you've accepted and once you learn how to work with whatever it is you're feeling for me it's all about affirmation and visual I'm a visual person so there's a vision board I've got my values here on my computer. I've got, here's a little one for you. Um, it says flow, just flow with it. Flow with the emotions, don't hold on. Just let them flow past like a river. Don't hold on and make up a story about them and make them mean something. You just feel flat this hour and that's okay. And then let it, let it, let it continue on like a, like, a, like a river. Don't get stuck in the stench of it too long let it flow out so and then my coping strategies are you know affirmations listening to positive um meditations and for me i've got you know up here it says you should probably just go for it and then on the next thing here it's got you should probably kick some ass today so it, i've got these reminders around my office about the state that i'd like to be in and sometimes it doesn't work but most of the time I'll look at I'll look at that up on the wall and it will help me move forward. So there's a visual of you can you can do this, you can do hard things. We can do hard things, us human beings. You know, we're really capable. And if it's reaching out to a friend and saying, I'm feeling like crap today, I've got I've got people that I can text instantly, that that I can tell them I'm flat, I've got no energy, and they'll just listen. So if you've got your little strategy there that you've built in the life plan about how to work with it and what your emergency kit is, and when you feel flat, this is what you do, just sit in it. Oh, thank God I've got permission just to sit in it because I don't want to motivate myself. I'm really happy to sit in the sludge of it today. That's okay. Just don't stay there for too long. So so it's really validating those feelings and and. We have, we have teenagers as well, 17-year-old and a 14-year-old, very similar. So um, it's definitely about, you know, you do, that's what the um, psychologists tell you, just validate the feelings. Um, so whatever you're doing with your teenagers, um, do it to yourself is basically. Um, yes, exactly. I've got teenagers too and, you know, they, they might be in a mood and you just go, that's okay. They're allowed, they're not supposed to be happy every day. Um, and, and that's why the value of family, people say to me, well, how do you make your family happy? And I'm like, it's not my job to make them happy. My job is to turn up being the best version of myself and that is to not judge them. And 
they're allowed to be flat. You know, they break up with the boyfriend and they lie in bed for three days. Let them lie in bed. Let them feel the emotion. And let, when they're ready, they're going to come out and then hold their hand and help them out. Just um, in case there's the connection is coming in and out, it's, I can see that, um, that there's a bit of a poor connection, but we'll keep, keep, keep powering on. It seems to be okay, but if anyone hears it chopping, then I apologize for that. Um, so so you're, you've been writing a new book, um, or you're working on one, yes. um, and you've got a number of other books as well, but it, you keep referring to the life plan, which is now five years old, which, um, which shouldn't change because it is, um, it's a it's a template for for anyone who's re really willing to make a change in their life. Um, what what is the next um, inspiring piece of work that you're working on? Without giving anything away. Okay. Yeah. I, well, the life plan's my baby. It's it's. I think that's where everybody should start. You know, it is it is it's getting yourself off the blocks. The next book was Chaos to Calm, which is just a beautiful book of skills. And then there was a gift set that I did that are much cheaper. And, you know, instead of buying someone some soap, you can buy them a little gift book. And that would teach people about happiness, about restoring their energy and about how to ignite them when they, you know, really needed to step up. But the next book that I'm writing, which I've just been away writing, is... Um, is another one from the heart and that is plan it's sort of plan b i'm not going to give away too much but what happens when you've got your life plan and you get the curveball mm -hmm. you get chronic fatigue or you do get diagnosed with cancer and i've written it for my clients so the first the life plan was written for my clients because it was like okay i keep saying the same thing to my clients i'm going to put it in a book so this one is for my clients after 20 years of coaching people who's partners may have taken their life, who have been in a serious accident, who have had a health diagnosis, who broke up with a boyfriend, who lost their job, lost their business. When you have to pivot and move your life due to unforeseen circumstances, or you may have chosen to. And I can't find anything on the shelf that would take them through the next journey of how to get from that point to the point of plan B could actually be better than the first plan. Um, so it's a it's a real journey and I've written that for my clients too because I, I want to write for what's needed and the life plan was really needed because there was nothing like it and this one the same, there's nothing like it. So um, it's from my heart and it's for the people that, that I speak to and the people I speak to in audiences and all the people that write to me and share their journey of what the life plan did for them, I hope this same same result happens. Mm. And I mean, there's, in business, as you can imagine with Booktopia, so many things come out of left field that you didn't expect. And for me, it's about um, you know, one door closes and another 10 opens. So so I've got to be able to say, bring it on. Um, and, and that, um, if you expect business to be a nice, beautiful, cruisy ride and everything goes from success to success, absolutely not. And then, yeah. and it's about you being really grounded and really um, emotionless um, and grieving when things don't work out um, the way that you want. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. it is a grief process, isn't it? It's, you know, you might be grieving that you can't, Go to someone's house for dinner. I mean, in Melbourne, we 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 cannot go to anybody's homes. We are allowed out for one hour a day. Um, we're not allowed to see our friends. Only one of us is allowed to go shopping. There is a whole grief process going on where people can't do all those things we took for granted. We can't go to the football. We can't go and take our kids to play sport. We can do nothing. So it's about allowing people to grieve as well. That you know you're allowed to be sad. Um, you're allowed to be sad and you're allowed to be annoyed and you're allowed to be frustrated, but what can you do about it? You know, what can we do to just make it a little bit of a softer journey for ourselves? But how can we be creative too? One of the, one of the things that um, that I talk about in my speaking is is the word disappointment um, because that's what you're kind of talking about. And it's like, how can you take, have a word like appointment you know, I'm going to go and see the doctor at three o'clock or I've got, I'm catching up with a friend for lunch. How can you have a word 
like appointment, which is so bland and kind of functional and neutral. And you just put a disc in front and it becomes so heavy. And it's so, oh my God. And by understanding that you actually had an expectation that something was going to happen and when it didn't, I find I, I get a little bit of freedom around that. And then, oh, right, that's why I'm so pissed off. Or that's why I'm so down or frustrated or aggravated is because I was hoping for this. It didn't happen. Yeah. So therefore, we need to shift. Um, and I use that and have used that a lot in terms of... I love that. Yeah. It's like ease and disease. That's right. It's disease, you know, when your body's not at ease, you know, if you're harboring something, you get stomach ulcers, you know, it'll, it'll come out in a, in a, in a state of disease. Yeah, it's very interesting. I, um, I like to break out words. So the word intuition, um, intuition, gut feel, you, you met someone or you didn't, not once sure about that deal or that person looks a little dodgy or um, that looks really, that, that, look, that looks like a great opportunity. Um, and so tuition, tuition, that's the amount of money that I paid to do a course or you know, it's your tuition. How can you put the word tuition? Because everything that happens in life is a, is a course that you then put into your gut, which you then call on. And that's so therefore when things happen and they don't work out the way that you want, it's because it's all oh, right. I'm just gaining life experience. And then, well, I'm going to remember that and then, and then becomes part of your journey. Yeah, we, uh, we, um, we have very similar, uh, I was reading a little bit about, about your background. Um, I, um, I also traveled for a few years after, after when I was in my early twenties, I, I didn't work like you had worked because you had more of a career, but I went traveling for three years. I left, I left Australia and I said uh, to my family, I'm going to travel for three years around the world. And my parents gave me a bit more money to make sure I stayed away longer. Um, <laughs> I love it. Um, because they figured they were going to save on food if they did that, and so and so um, I ended up in the high Atlas Mountains, like you had done, and travelled around South America and did, met a lot of people and travelled. And I think, um, you know, life experience and and that was my university degree, uh, travelling around the world and and um, you know, with what you have done and what your um, you've distilled your life experience and and taking time to put that on paper for others to to explore and to consider i think it's it's a real um testimony to what you know what you've gone through and the journey that you've had i can you know having spent some time talking with you now i can realize that you know, this this book the life plan and some of your others are obviously some real gems and and um and you know maybe you know those that are listening do yourself a favor, as you know, Molly used to say, um, get it for yourself or gift it away to someone. Because right now, I think the more that we take time out to to stop and consider and think about what we've, what we've, where we're heading, where we're at, um, there's no, you know, um, there's no error in that. There's like that is one of the most valuable things you can do. At any point in time, we we do it in business. I mean, people who are working, you have strategy meetings. Let's go on a on a weekend fest and let's talk about where we want to go. Well, in if you're going to put all that much effort into your company, what about yourself? Well, it's one of the inspiring things about Booktopia is uh, I get really thrilled when people walk into my office and resign. And and the reason why I do that is because I was a recruiter and I used to pinch people from other companies and put them into other companies. And when they come in, I say to them. Wow, really? Where are you going next? You know, because if you don't want to be here, you must be going somewhere else. And and people's careers have really developed while they're here. So they came in at a certain level and they ended up at, at a much you know more valuable level to themselves and their families and to a future employer. So, and the great thing about that is I've got no attachment to them staying. So if someone really strategic leaves, it's like okay, then you're creating a vacuum for someone else to come in. Yeah. And and I if think these are the you know, these are the things that out of the work that you do in terms of coaching and, and your books, um, it's it's about realizing that it's, you know, well, it's it's all about you. Yeah, and I, I feel like I'm just beginning. You know, people say, aren't you sick of being a coach yet? You know, you've been listening to people for 20 years and I, I actually feel like I'm such a student. There's so much to learn. 
I can't wait for the next 20 years of people to walk through my doors and, and onto my phone. And I'm, I'm so excited because I, I think that we there's so much to learn that we can keep evolving. If we keep asking ourselves the questions, we can keep evolving and keep growing. And as a business, you know, you don't want to stay stagnant, stag stagnant exactly the same for the next 10 years is, you know, we want something to look up to, which is your future self. It's um, the better version of yourself that feels better or, you know, is, is, is um, as motivated. Um, and, and I want to stay motivated. So it's keeping asking the same questions over and over again to keep evolving and flourishing. And, and I love asking people questions. So what a great job that I'm in. But through the books is it's really important that I keep asking questions so that people know what questions to ask themselves not just how am I feeling today because that means nothing it's asking really powerful questions as you said earlier about you know booktopia is about asking customers what they really want it's it's about well what do you want as a person so that you can really be clear and you can express yourself to others and you can you can pass that knowledge on that's what what's what life's about and if my journey can help people and my journey's not perfect and it's got lots of ups and downs and and I carry some pretty weighty, weighty health issues and a mental health issue, but I've learnt to dance with them all and um, and accept them and build plans around them and safety nets around them so that, yeah, every day is the possibility of being a great day because of that security. We're coming very close to the end of our of our time together. So I want to, if I can, just think, touch on something that I think is really, really important for, for everyone to consider. You, you talk about, and I can only imagine you're dealing with a lot of people's beliefs and values, where, they, where, where some of them have to explore whether they're actually serving them or not, and they have to just offload them and go, that really isn't, I know that's supported me to get to here, but that actually doesn't work for me anymore. Um, and when you're doing life coaching, you're one-on-one -on -one and people are really um, um, you know, manifesting more, um, evolving and, and being more uh, productive and, and happier and centred. What do you have to do with the people around them who have kind of got used to that kind of um, person and they liked that person the way they were and but now they're this you know, go-getting and it's really irritating because they're really positive or they've got this different mindset and that conflicts against their values and their beliefs. So it could be in the workplace or it could be at home or it could be with your kids and then all of it. Do, do you have to do much work around uh, them also dealing with the, the value systems of of their, you know, their close center of, of network of people that want to try and keep them in their box and and no you can't and no you ca you can't be successful or you know what do you want to think about that for or see you tried that and you failed is there is there a lot of work that you have to do there too or is it's a little bit because it's I, I try to tell people this is your journey you don't have to share it with the world you know so you don't have to all of a sudden become this positive preacher or put what you're learning onto other people it's about you being the role model and you're doing things for yourself and if you're shining you know the people that don't like your bright light might move away a little bit and other people will come towards the light and they're people who are more like-minded who who do want to take responsibility and don't want to have that victim mentality or who do want to get off the couch so as we evolve um, on the journey so many of my clients say i've met these incredible people because i joined the gym now i've got friends that ring me and want to go for a run like my other friends don't but they just broaden themselves they don't necessarily have to ditch everybody else but they broaden they're a bit more open um, and they are very careful not to talk about it too much to the dream stealers you know when I wrote the life plan I, I actually said to somebody I'm writing this book I'm so excited and they said to me well why would you do that no one buys books anymore and and it just hit me like a, a, a truck. And I said, I like books. I like the feel, the touch. I like writing in them. I, 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 I just love holding them. I love smelling them. And they mean so much more to me 
and I'm going to write for the people that love books. And I just couldn't get it. But that's okay. They're a dream stealer. I'm not talking to you about my book ever again. I am only going to talk to people who are who are excited for me. So you quickly learn who to share what you're doing with pretty quickly and um, and move towards that direction, I think. Mm. I remember when I first started Booktopia, which is 2004, so it's 16 and a half years ago, and people said to me, what do you want to start a bookstore for? You know, there's Amazon, there's Borders, there's Dimix, there's Angus and Robertson. You're too late. People say to me now, oh, it's lucky you got in early. <laughs> yeah, I know. So there's always going to be... It's really great that those people say that because for me it was like a bit of ammunition to prove them wrong. It was I actually took it as, oh, I'm not going to let you deflate me because actually I don't really value your opinion that much. I'm going to use that to prove to you that I'm not even a famous person. I'm, a, I'm just a normal person who lives in Hampton in Melbourne and I can sell 80,000 books. So... Um, and publish another five or six more, and and now they sort of look at me and they, mm, okay, she did it. <laughs> well, the, so the belief system. I think it's you're always going to come up against belief. I mean, I I can assure you in the publishing industry, like in yeah. books, I've come up against belief systems for 16 years because, you know, the way that I see it, I'm a three dimensional thinker, which means that most of the people in the book industry are two dimensional. They just see it the way that it always was. But for me, I'm looking from different angles to see how I can because I, I don't just I don't think like a book person so I saw my viewpoint was very different so for someone who who gives that feedback and says look I'm I'm uh, you know I don't you know who reads books anyway um, oh so you just you've just shared with me your view thank you for sharing and from where I see it it's not going to work out that way I mean I'm a I'm an IT guy from I was a pro computer programmer from the early early 80s and I, I got into computer se selling and recruitment for the computer. So I've been involved in internet now for 24 years. And when ebooks came through, I, I was in the audience when Jeff Bezos at the Book Expo America in uh, 2008 told us about the Kindle and what he was doing. And I walked out of there, I was completely shattered. Um, as a technologist, I understood exactly what he was saying. And then then I realized, hold on a second, that's a, that's a device, the you know, most of the Asian countries are going to copy that. The publishers, they don't like Amazon. They're going to make sure that those files are available to all um, all re resellers. And I quickly worked out that ebooks were going to be around, but they weren't going to be everything. And as ebooks evolved, I still could see the value of a book. Um, and that even though everyone was getting excited about digital ebooks, it wasn't. Um, I could see that it was going to end up most likely around 50-50. It may not even do that now, the way that things are heading. I think audio books may make up the the other area. Um, yeah. And and so it's, um, it's yeah, but other people's belief systems is, is quite often where we uh, first... Uh, we, stuck. Where mm -hmm. you first come to, you, you start, first start getting the feedback that this new you and what you're committed to... Um, is is where you need to um, where you, where you need to be aware how you're going to deal with those. But it sounds like, from what you say, just simply keep it not secret, but just keep it internal until you find your yeah you know. until you've got your cheer squad. You know, so if you've got your cheer squad, they're they're the people that you high five and celebrate and. And share the the pain with not not the other people. You know, it's 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 quite deflating. So, and that's the whole thing about if you've got your plan. It I ask you in the book a lot is who's on your cheer squad for this because it's really important to share just with that those select people what the journey is and not everybody because my cheer squad for depression. You know, my cheer squad for chronic fatigue, my cheer squad for writing books, my cheer squad for coaching. When I first became a life coach 20 years ago, I studied coaching through the ICA and I think I was one of the first in Melbourne to be qualified as a life coach. And everyone said, why the hell would you leave your amazing corporate job of sporting athletes and being Jerry Maguire to talk to people? Like, what's a life coach? What's a life coach going to do? And it was really, really confronting and really challenging because I had to try and justify it. Because number one, no one had even heard of one yet. It, was, it wasn't like personal training where you didn't have to explain what a personal trainer was. It was, 
but I, I just went through the pain and I, I really knew it had helped me because it was so different to counselling that I, I just had a couple of people, which one was my husband, and he just said, you can do it. I know you can do it. I've, I saw what it did for you. Um, and these athletes need a life coach. They have no life plan. So it was really developed towards athletes for me. And then it just opened up to any human being. But, yeah, I, I would have shut shop pretty quickly if I'd listened to too many people. What a great way to end. And congratulations on your on your contribution in terms of the books and your one-on-one -on -one work that you do in the public speaking. Uh, very, very inspirational. Congratulations. Thanks, Shannon. And we wish you all the success. We look forward to hearing and, uh, and uh, of all the new books and all the great work. And, and thanks for spending some time with us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. It's such a pleasure. And, you know, I like to keep life as simple as possible and um, not overcomplicate it, not dramatise it. And, and I really hope that people can learn those health and wellness skill sets to, to help them have that nice foundation. Thank you. All right. All the best. Thank Bye. you. Thank you for listening to the Booktopia podcast channel. Don't forget, you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia. Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.